Hey guys, welcome back to the Well Said Podcast. My name is Andre and I'm back for another conversation today. I'm here with a special guest, Pastor Jeremy. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, pastor Jeremy is a pastor at uh, Good Shepherd Community Church here in Ferndale, or it's technically Bellingham, right? Yeah, right on the edge. Yeah. So uh, Pastor Jeremy has been just such a huge blessing to us as a church community. We rent from their building and so many good conversations we've had. Uh, you're, you've been just a huge blessing and encouragement for us as we're starting our new church. And um, so what, you know, couldn't think of a better person to ask on such a complicated, challenging topic than you. And uh, actually, we were talking yesterday, even before I decided to do this, and you had shared that you have an interesting story of how God shaped you on this in this topic uh, throughout the past. So uh, today we'll be talking about the topic of race and racial tension in the church and how do we as Christians look at it. Uh, it's It's a challenging topic. Yeah. Like we were just talking about earlier, right? It's like uh, even... <laughs> I've been hesitant to tackle this subject uh, because I, it's not that I'm afraid of confrontational conversations. I, I'm, I'm an argumentative person, um, but uh, I don't want to say something that then I will have to eat my words. So for me to have enough confidence uh, to do the homework, to, to carefully think uh, before I say it, you know, so that's why I've been hesitant uh, to, to tackle it. But you know, I, I, it, I feel a lot more kind of reassured having your wisdom on board today. And so I'm kind of the questioner today more and commenta- commenting as we go. Well, yeah, I, I feel the same way, Andre. <laughs> I, uh, this is a, a very challenging topic. And I think, you know, it's, it's one that we do, we do well when we're asking a lot of questions, um, especially coming from our own backgrounds. I um, I have so much to learn as mm-hmm. it relates to our, our black brothers and sisters and what they've experienced, what mm-hmm. they've gone through, what they continue to go through uh, day by day. And it's just totally different than mm. my experience. And so, uh, yeah, I have some unique experiences that others may not have, at least in my church. Um, and I'm happy to share you know, some of those things that I've learned. But we, we both together are are learning as we go here. We have a lot to learn. For sure. For sure. So like before we dive into specifics of cultural, you know, this week, you know, as we're sitting here recording, you know, the the riots are still going on. It was all uh, started with the tragic death uh, of George, Greg Floyd, George 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 Floyd. Floyd. Yeah. And um, that just kind of catapulted us into another season of just racial craziness uh, tension and rioting. Um, one, you know, one of the people from our church is down in Seattle, like third day in a row doing riot control. So this is real. This is happening. Everyone's talking about it. And it's a great time to kind of think about it before we get into all that though. Let's talk about a little bit just biblically. Um, you know, what does scripture say about race and racism? Uh, does the word even appear and how would you kind of start us off on a biblical foundation? Yeah. It's a good question, a good place to start. Always go to the book, uh, ask the Lord what he has to say on it. Um, The Bible is loaded with material for us to gain understanding and appreciation for what he desires for us as believers when it comes to this topic. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly we know that God's chosen people were a nation uh, that he 
chose and, and basically made out of Abraham. And he set his covenant blessing on them. And yet that choice was never just a, a limited uh, choice to one ethnicity or race. He, he desired from the beginning that all nations on earth would be blessed through the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Not just the Jews, but the Gentiles. And so even from the, the early chapters of Genesis, you see um, the, the full range um, uh, ethnicity of the redemptive plan that God right. has set. Right. In, in many ways, it starts off exclusive because it's from one man and one nation. But from the very beginning, the whole world is in view. Right. God is wanting to go to all nations. He tells that to Abraham, right? Right. And you can, uh, what's cool about the Bible is you can read the end of the story before it happens. Right. Right. So you go to Revelation, and I just posted this on my Facebook today because I was so struck that uh, there will be a song sung by saints and this is what they'll sing. Of Christ, their Savior, our Savior, worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from, and here it is, every nation, uh, tribe, language, and people, uh, every tribe, language, people, and nation, and you've made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So, um when it's a question of diversity, right. the, the answer is easy. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the scripture calls us to a kingdom that is the most diverse kingdom we could ever imagine. Um, heaven will be filled with people who don't look exactly like you, mm-hmm. who have different languages, who have the full range of skin color and uh, background experiences and culture. And we all gather together around one Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I think diversity is one thing, but I, I think there's probably another layer to this, which is um, how do you deal with racism? Uh, it's not just that we would say, well, we, we would love to be more diverse. I, I, at our church, I would love more diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is, is our, the, the place in which we live, right. there isn't Northwest. as much yeah. Yeah, diversity as I would love. I experienced that in, in downtown Chicago and, and loved it. Um, so we, we aim for that, but the, the bigger question is, how should we respond biblically when we experience some of these things? And, uh, you know, we've seen a full range of responses, mm-hmm. but uh, the scriptures do have a lot to say. I was thinking of Colossians 3 um, mm-hmm. as, as one of the first passages that jumped out to me. Um, so much of the put off and put on for, for the Apostle Paul is happening here, just like in Ephesians He says, in these two you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Now, think of how often racism functions in those categories. Right. Those fruits. Those are corrupt, old, uh, not Christian ways Mm -hmm. of demonstrating gospel. And then he goes on. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its evil practices and put on the new self which is being renewed after the image of its creator. And then he says this, and this goes hand in hand. Here there is not Greek and Jew. Right. uh, Circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. What he's saying is not that they're they're not diverse. Right. Because they are diverse. But he's saying in your diversity... 
there's there is oneness. Mm-hmm. You're one people, and you look, uh, you you've come from all these different places, but you've come together to be one. Yeah. The the interesting thing is that in Revelation you see the diversity is stressed. It's actually highlighted right. all the nations. Like the, right. John is highlighting that, and here Paul is not trying to minimize differences. What he's saying is those differences have are 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 powerless to create division among you right as is in the world around you yeah. right because obviously the, the the issue of racism and racial tension is not new to today right yeah. the new testament was it was it was ripe with racial tension yeah so he's writing that into that world that is segregated divided in its own ways Jews looked down upon, right. you know, non-Jews, non-Jews, you know, judged and, and really mistreated, didn't like Jewish people. So like, it, but, but Paul is saying, uh, at, from a Christian perspective in Jesus, those distinctions, though they exist in us, uh, they have no power to make us separate. Right. 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 It's interesting because, um, you know, sometimes people say we, we should be colorblind. Mm-hmm. And I get what we're saying right. in that, but there is beauty in the diversity of our differences. Right. So long as there is unity in Christ. Right. And and so I think one of the glories of eternity is we are going to be very different people who are all together to be one family, one body in Christ because of what He's done. Um, and so no one can say. We're better, we're smarter, we deserve more, we are you know, some kind of master race. I mean, what, that is completely antithetical to all of what the gospel of, of Christ pushes us toward. And uh, so then he goes on and he says, uh, As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. These are all... Um, attacks on racism, mm-hmm. right? Th- th- this is the uh, the gutting of the old instinct of putting people down, and now it's the embrace of uh, love. Really, bear with one another. If you have a complaint, forgive one another, as the Lord's forgiven you. So also you must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, mm-hmm. right? And be thankful. So that passage alone is more than enough for us to have, you know, close close the book. It's, it's, it's sealed and done. Mm-hmm. There should not be racism ever operating in the church, period. Shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet, unfortunately, that's not the ideal situation because... Scripture is calling us to the ideal, right? Right. Um, even the fact that Paul is instructing these particular instructions to those churches shows right. you that those churches needed this instruction. They were struggling. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, you can see it in the, the apostles, even in the early church, right? They were like, oh, the Gentiles. And then like, yeah. th- they, they were trying to navigate the difference, and it was a tense situation for them to all of a sudden flip their mind and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, God was all along planning to save everyone not just the Jews yeah. like and the interesting thing studying the old testament over the last year 
this simple idea in the Old Testament, which I didn't see as clearly before, is that you know people think you know the Old Testament. Oh, the Old Testament is just all about the Jews, and God didn't care about the world. Well, again, you've already proven that wrong. But if you read how God describes the mission of the people of Israel, their mission, and Peter Gentry, one of our um, Old Testament profs. Uh, points out, he says, if you look geographically, the location of where Israel was, that land that God gave them, it was literally the highway between the two superpower yeah. structures of the world. And so the, the trading and everything went through this land of Israel. And God told them clearly, you are to be a nation of priests mm -hmm. to the world. Yeah. So you are to take my my truth to the whole world. You are not special people that I chose and you're going to be, uh, you know, elite, you know, saints above the world. Right. The opposite. I gave you this grace of knowing me. You proclaim it to the world, you know. Right. So God's heart is always, the diversity is a beauty to be celebrated mm -hmm. and unified. Uh, just like the church itself is diverse in our gifts. Right. You know, our, our various racial ethnic backgrounds god is unifying it god is working to you know go against yeah. that i was even struck in in preaching through exodus when the judgments were unleashed on egypt mm -hmm. it it was re reoccurring that that phrase that the nations would know mm. that i am the lord mm -hmm. and that was a proclamation mm -hmm. of of his grace, even in the form of judgment on Egypt, mm -hmm. um, uh, of of his lordship over all, and I think it fits completely consistently uh, with with the the push mm -hmm. of redemption to the nations. Right, right, and just the idea of you know one of the other big things that has gripped me over the last year is the concept of the image of God, the imago dei. Mm -hmm. That I mean. It's so crazy when you consider what God has done in the creation of humanity. He has implanted a likeness of himself. Mm -hmm. And that image of God is in every single human being yeah. exactly the same. Yeah. You know, um, The church has mistaken that idea in the past a lot and even today. But when you consider this simple fact, God has built his image, his glorious image into every single human being. And that 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 uh, bestows a, a unique and glorious value to yeah. every single human being. Uh, that's God's precious image, every person, mm -hmm. you know. It's the basis for it. And it's one of the reasons why we cry for justice. Right. It's in us. Right. It, the image of God echoes in our hearts when we see something so horrific as the murder of, right. a, of a man over something as silly as a, a $20 you know, forged bill or whatever right. it was. Um, something so wrong and, and blatant as that calls us, justice should be served. That's right. the image of God right? echoing right. in us. Right. Even people who don't know God, it's built into them to yeah. cry out for justice because this is there's nothing more wrong in the world than mm. the desecration of God's image. Mm -hmm. And that's what you see when you have uh, the murder on camera of a man you right. know, who's restrained. So... Obviously, um, we live in a broken world. We, we, we see the truth and, and we see that the goal to which God is leading us. So before diving into the complexity, we know the end. Right. All nations gathered worshiping Jesus. We're going there, yeah. right? So now let's talk about where we at. And um, yeah. particularly, I think what I would want to focus on is 
uh, American racism and American racism towards uh, black people and African Americans and that that story. So I, I would love to hear a little bit how how God has shaped you over the years on this topic. Yeah. Well, I grew up in Yakima for the most part, and so um, what I what I like to think is it's it's not a question of if there's racism; it's how is it expressed? Mm-hmm. Because sin exists everywhere. And the bent of sin in people is always going to show in racism uh, in various ways. It, it's there. And it's, believe it or not, friends, it's in us. Right. We, we have to look for it and identify it and call it what it is. And uh, so, you know, growing up in a home, very blessed. My parents were not, um, you know, racist. Uh, I did not see, I did not hear these words. There wasn't disparaging you know, putting down of other ethnicities mm-hmm. in our home. Um, when I went to public school, I heard a lot of things, and a lot of very negative things were directed towards the Hispanic community. Uh, Yakima is a very, you know, diverse community with Hispanics and a lot of migrant workers, much like our county is here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really the only exposure I had. But at our church, there was a, a wide diversity, and, and I grew up thinking, you know, I, 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 uh, I don't feel this at all. I, when I look at people, I don't feel this um, instinct to look down on mm-hmm. because of the color of skin or something like that. So then I went to Bible school in Chicago, and I really had my eyes opened to how big an issue this is for so many people um, who didn't have my experience growing up as a white guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was great for me. Four years in the inner city in Chicago. Uh, two of those years, I attended a black church right downtown, and my brother and I were the only white guys in the in the building mm. most Sundays. Um, and they they welcomed us, mm. and it was wonderful to be a minority. I learned a lot just from being in in, in a different set of shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, the way they treated me was incredible, and it helped me understand some of the things I was watching mm-hmm. around me. Um, I got to spend time with guys who grew up in inner-city environments who were black. Uh, one former gang member that I would, would hang out with often would tell stories uh, of what his experience was, and it blow my mind. Like, mm. you just don't think that this could continue in our nation, but it's there. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I would say is for people, you know, in Whatcom County, maybe haven't experienced uh, this directly, don't doubt that it's out there. Mm-hmm. Or don't don't write it off as just some politicized, you know, attack or spin of the media. This stuff is real. And I do believe what happened to George Floyd, of course, we, we don't want to pronounce guilty uh, before it's it's proven in in the court, but that video does show some pretty horrific things, mm-hmm. and you have to ask the question: Why? Why did he do that? Yeah. What would possess a man, cop or not, to 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 suffocate uh, a black man on the street just coldly, um, unnecessarily? So, it should stir us deeply mm-hmm. to see that. Um, and the reality is, is what I what I learned in Chicago is, is there are some extremely racist people who treat people 
with hatred. Um, and it just purely because of the color of their skin. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense to me. I have very little category for it. I don't understand it at all. Yeah. But we have to acknowledge that it exists. That's one of the first steps to addressing it. It's there. And then he went on, uh, my buddy Nick went on to tell me, he said, uh, you know, I go to a grocery store and I'm checking out in line. And there's a white lady in front of me and a white checkout lady. And they strike up a conversation and um, eye contact, how's your day, that kind of thing. And then the change is given and it, she, she hands the change straight to the lady, right? Puts it in her hand. And Nick says, he walked up, the lady looked down, she wouldn't make eye contact with him. And when the change was given to Nick, she put it on the counter. Mm. She didn't want to touch his hand with that. And now you might say, well, man, that guy's making a big deal out of nothing. Mm -hmm. But he told me it happens time and time and time again. Mm. Little stuff. Yeah. Um, So it's the small things that I've never experienced that. Mm -hmm. But I just resolved that day. I would, I would go the extra mile to make eye contact, to be warm and uh and 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 i don't know just really overtly kind right to people especially because they expected it not to happen from right. a white guy like me right and what i found is in chicago from that point forward it was received it was clear that it was a thing hmm. i would watch it and i would notice it and see it so that's been a joy and i've tried to teach my kids the same thing um be warm, be welcoming. And if there's a person who may be expecting you to not look at him or treat him the same way, it it's a gospel proclamation right? when we do. When we're not afraid to um, connect with strangers. And yeah. I think the, the, the thing that is highlighted, I think, in our conversation so far is when we talk about race and talk about today in America, you're talking about two, there's two like strands of the same problem in the same problem, right? You have the human heart, which the New Testament shows us and human history shows us as human beings, we tend to associate ourselves with our ethnic background. Like it's just, it's in your brain to to create lines. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the, 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 the title of John Piper's book on this is Bloodlines. Yeah. Um, you know, so we this is it's ingrained into a fallen humanity to divide based on our race. It's right. it's part of it. You go anywhere, you'll see it, right? But in America, there's there's an added like uh, there's an added bonus that amplifies the problem w- where we have you know hundreds of years of uh, slavery, specifically black slavery, and mm-hmm. then. Uh, was it like 90, 80 years of segregation? Yeah. So um, I recently saw, and I posted it on my on the Instagram, I think it's very interesting when you zoom out and look at the whole timeline of the Amer- American history, you mm-hmm. realize on, on the whole timeline, it's like this big is uh, slavery, this big is segregation, and then like this big in the timeline is uh, present or present day. Right. And so w- when I look at that, and I, and I, you know, starting, I did, I took a church history class last year, and that dove into a lot of uh, American mm-hmm. church history stuff. And, I mean, you just read history and you realize uh, this is a, a terrible story. 
a, a terrible aspect of the story of of American Christians specifically, like the Southern Baptist Convention, which is the convention that our church is part of, which, mm-hmm. which we, we we are joy, joyful to be part of it. We're, I'm, I'm I'm joyful to study at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, but it's got to be admitted the reason that that convention was formed was because. There was the Northern Baptist Convention. They were getting together and say, sending off missionaries overseas. And those churches did not allow Southern churches to join because Southern churches had owned slaves. Mm. People in those churches were slave owners. Mm. And so the sl- slave-owning Baptists formed their own convention, and it was called the Southern Baptist Convention. So mm. like, it was formed on the idea that they wanted to not let go of their slaves. and yeah. And so you start to read this stuff and you're like, dang, history, hundreds of years of history does not just disappear mm-hmm. in a flip of a switch. Oh, we have laws now. Um, of course, there has been progress. You know, we don't we, we, we don't have explicitly racist laws, you know, like mm-hmm. segregations <clears throat> back in back in the, you know, early uh, 1900s. But just just sharing with my, you know, our I, I'm part of the Russian community a lot. And I'm just realizing this year as I'm reflecting, I'm like, guys, we are like, here's this long story and here's us immigrants. We enter the story here. Mm -hmm. And so we're often like, what are you talking about? You know, we don't, there's no segregated laws anymore. What what are you people freaking out about slavery? There's no slave or uh, racism. There's no racism. Um, Much of the problem in that kind of response is that we have not read the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have not taken the time to listen to the story of America in American Christianity, uh, which we need to because we live here and we're not going anywhere. We're all mm-hmm. Americans now, you know? Right, right. So I think have just that basic journey of reading history a little bit more and being aware and be like, what? The president yeah. of Southern Seminary said what? You know, right. like right. the founders of the seminary said what? You know, like there's quotes of like, Bible Baptist theologians saying stuff like, no matter how low a white man is, he's always better than a black man. Mm. Um, and these are guys who are teaching theology. Years ago. Right? Yeah. Not you today. Know, <laughs> 300 years ago. Right. Yeah. They started the seminary. Yeah. Um, so you can't overlook that. And I, I, it's been cool to see like in our, you know, uh, Al Mohler, president of our seminary, right. totally like, you know, guys, we can't like, Ignore that. This is our history. Like that's that's a big fail. It's a terrible spot in our history. We yeah. need to we need to be aware of it. We need to study it. We need mm-hmm. to, you know, work in, and 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 realize that over hundreds of years of generations, the Bible talks about generational e- effect yeah. uh, constantly. These attitudes get embedded in generations. They're not just washed away right. just like that. Yeah, and I'm there. It, the gospel shatters that. Right, but it right. has to be purposeful. It has to be mm-hmm. taught, and it has to be talked through. Um, you know, my my dad grew up in the South during a, a period of time when the South was still quite segregated and, and and racist. I don't think they were segregated, you know, officially, but there was a lot of lingering real yeah real issue down there. And I delight to look at my own story, and I don't feel that echo. Right. And what I what I see in that is the power of the gospel to just wring that stuff out and, right. and and purge it such that I didn't have to then take up that and battle that in my own heart. 
But I, I do think, you know, and, and just watching, there's been a lot of posts on Facebook and, and social media, you know, uh, we love it and we hate it. Right. Uh, an issue like this can be greatly helped by thoughtful, wise posts, but it honestly can also be just really hurtful. Um, and so I think uh, there's a few things that I would that I would say, especially to to our congregation um, uh, congregations. One is there is a pressure to make a statement mm-hmm. that I disagree with. Mm. I don't think that Christians need to feel that if they don't make a you know a strong statement at at the point that everything unfolds that they are you know just in favor of racism. Right. Um, so you don't have to do your blackout Tuesday in order to prove that you're not a racist. Right. Okay. And I just people need to know. Yeah. They have permission to not, you know, feel like they have to make a big statement. I've seen that a lot, and it's my concern is that that will become a trend, and then all of a sudden we're judging people's hearts and motives wrongly. Right. So, the problem is though is sometimes the statements that are made are oversimplistic. Right. Right. So not only do we need to know our history, and many people don't, but we also need to know our current situation and, uh, you know, and not minimize it. Right. Um, so I saw a post recently, um, you know, some say uh, that a white guy killed a black guy. Mm-hmm. But w- w- what I see is an evil cop killed an innocent man. Mm-hmm. Now, I get, here's what we want to do. Give the benefit of the doubt, right? Rather mm-hmm. than jump all over someone, give them the mm-hmm. benefit of the doubt. What are they saying? Well, I think what they're saying, if we're going to kind of err on the side of grace, right. is, man, I'm colorblind. Yeah. I don't, I don't want it to be white and black. I want it to be right and wrong, right? And right. that's a good thing. Right. We, we applaud that. The problem is, is when you proclaim it that way, you offend it's offensive. And, and frankly, if I'm a black person and I see a post come mm-hmm. from a buddy of mine who's white that says that, I feel it as an offense. Right. Because what you just did, you just totally, you, you just totally brushed aside the, the actual concern the issue. that they have. Right. The main issue. Right. And here's the issue. The white guy is likely racist. Right. And that's why he's corrupt or evil. Right. So we, we can't oversimplify and just call it evil. We have to call it what it probably is. Right. And when it happens over and over, it should really disturb us. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just a matter of we need justice. It's we need to identify what is behind the injustice mm-hmm. and call that out. Um, the problem is... Uh, and this is, you know, you ask solutions. Right. What are we going to do to solve right. this? The The answer at the end of the day is the gospel. That's what has to happen. The gospel, the man whose face was pressed into the pavement um, as, as George Floyd was dying, his greatest need was Jesus. Mm-hmm. Was Jesus. The man who was pressing his face into the pavement in his insanity, murderous act, 
his greatest need is Jesus too. And so we have a salvation, we have a gospel message that can literally take those two men Mm -hmm. and by the grace of God, bring them together to share forever in glory Right around a savior who could pay for their sins. Uh, That's the power of the gospel. Yeah, and the radical thing I think about uh, a biblical reaction to the hatred of our world is that uh, and this is what you see in like Martin Luther King's like um, nonviolent resistance and his whole yeah. teaching on love. Uh, I there's sure I have there's major concerns that I have with his the- theology and other things that he taught. Like a lot, you know, all the Reformed Christians jump out and say, "Nah!" But he, you know, t- sure, yes, he had problems in many theological areas, but he he had a very Christian, a very biblical mm-hmm. articulation of a biblical expression of love in the midst of a hating culture. Yeah. He sought to extend love not just to the guy on the ground, but to the guy with the knee on, on yeah. the guy. Yeah. He was articulating a Christian vision that says you must love the hater, and it is through love that you will overcome his hateful heart. Right. Um, that is that is a, a servant mind that we that we have in Christ. You know, the, the challenge with this, I think, and again, we see this in the social media world right now, is the messiness of mm-hmm. it, right? So it's so, it's it's very easy to just say, oh, it's not racism, it's just police brutality, so let's just keep it at that. Um, or y- you jump on the other extreme, you know, every, everybody's racist, everybody needs to repent, everybody needs to get on their knee. You know, I see videos of, you know, Black Lives Matter activists coming up to people on the street and saying, kneel right now and right. ask for forgiveness like or beyond that that de, you know defund the police yeah defund the police or or <laughs> hate hate poli- hatred of white people which it turns into right so you have all these extremes uh and and when we're seeking a gospel way forward motivated by love love must be courageous and the courage that is required is the courage of digging down into the messiness and saying this is what I mean. No, not this. Mm-hmm. No, not this. That's wrong and that's wrong, but this is true, you know? Right. So right. especially, it's crazy. We're barraged with headlines and social media. You know, like it, it's overwhelming to take on the task of being a light and a source of love and wisdom in a crazy world. Yeah. That task is overwhelming. It is. And so it's from, scary and, and yeah. it's, it's, it's wrought with danger. But a great example of that is the hashtag Black Lives Matter, okay? Um, here, here's what has happened with the hashtag. Right. It, it In many ways, I, I, I identify with it. I feel that big time. And, and when I see something like that go down on the news, I am feeling Black Lives Matter. They seem not to matter to a handful of these people out here mm-hmm. who continue to do these things, whether mm-hmm. they be police officers that are corrupt um, or racist or other situations. So I'm with that. Right. The problem is that it, it, it's, it gets hijacked. Yeah. And all of a sudden now Black Lives Matter becomes about defunding the police or, you know. You're, you're, you're spray painting Black Lives Matter on a burnt down police car yeah. with its windows blown out. So and, there are people who've expressed outrage yeah. over the rioting and the looting. And I totally... And with that too. Right. So in Isaiah 61, 8, I saw this verse uh, this morning. I was just struck by it. It says, For I, the Lord, love justice. Mm -hmm. 
And the very next words, he goes on and he says, I hate robbery and wrong. Mm -hmm. So an expression of his love, of our cry for justice, should be a hatred of, you know, pillaging and looting and burning. And the irony is, is that if we allow anger or rage to be expressed in our cry for justice, we will end up repeating the same silly, stupid sins. Right. Uh, wrong, uh, completely unjust things. Like So right. th there's innocent people who are being beat up and killed in the name of the murder of George Floyd. That is right. insane. That they're is literally wrong. repeating the crime. Right. They're do they're hating right. their white white people or or they're hating their neighbor. You become what you hate. Yeah. Yeah. So what I say then is rather than turning it into this, well, black lives matter. No, all lives matter. Well, blue lives matter. We're 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 just chasing our tail. Yeah. We're doing more of the same. Yes, all lives matter. Yes, police lives matter. But that we're, that's not what we're talking about. Right. At the beginning of the conversation, it's right to say black lives matter. And what what I think people truly are saying in that is they're not saying all lives don't matter or that police lives don't matter. Right. They're saying there's a problem. Mm -hmm. And we should be able to get around that and agree there is a problem uh, without feeling the need to respond in what I would see as a very hurtful totally missing the point kind of way yeah. with, you know, well, all lives matter. Um, we all know that. Yeah. We, or we should, you know, the image of God in all lives. But the issue at hand is there are people who are experiencing tremendous oppression here. And it's it does feel systematic. It does feel re repetitive. It's not just the spin of the news. It is a long history mm -hmm. and well-documented um, I just watched the uh, the mini series on uh, Ulysses S. Grant, an excellent series on History Channel, and was just struck with how long America has been reeling from hatred and racism and slavery and all of that, and how proud I am of men in history and women who have stood up and said, we're going to take some bold moves, and we're going to move the, the needle forward. And Grant was one of those guys. Uh, sadly, after Grant, uh, the South regained uh, a lot of voice and uh, the White House, and much of what was gained was lost. Segregation came back in, and here we are well over 120 years later. Uh, things aren't as overt as mm -hmm. they were back then, but there are black people who are still dying. Yeah. And that should disturb us. Yeah. Yeah. And it should disturb us that it's part of the story. So don't shy away from it. You know, I right. think that don't don't be afraid of the discomfort of seeking out news, seeking out the truth, seeking out a full perspective. And I think for Christians, this this is so un it's di very different than for non-Christians. You know, right. the non-Christian world around us has no way to deal with this. Yeah. They have no savior who has bled and justified us of our sins. Yeah. They are trying to, they're out there trying to make everybody get on their knees and renounce their white privilege, regardless of who they are. Just if you're white, you're, you're guilty. You're mm -hmm. guilty of being white. It's like, you just 
you just, you know, you, they have no mechanism for redemption. Right. There is no mechanism for redemption in this world. And you see the looting and rioting. You see that we are in a generation that is that is uh, homeless in terms of its spiritual mm-hmm. uh, ability to make sense of the world. And you stupid white teenagers running around Seattle breaking windows. Um, those kids don't have a story. That's, that's why this world is spiraling. The gospel mm-hmm. is a story of the world that we're living out. And I think that's why like, when you look at that and as a christian you have to you know you you somebody posts something on social media that you disagree with who you know is a christian love bears all things hope fall, hopes all things endures all things mm-hmm. as a christian you look at your fellow brother or sister and what they posted you are not supposed to create division mm-hmm. you are supposed to come alongside mm-hmm. reason think uh encourage yeah rather than divide christians are giving in to this uh, we are following the world by being polarized and yeah. divided and going for each other's throats. You're mm-hmm. a heretic. You're a woke. You're a social justice warrior. We're doing the same thing the world is doing. Mm-hmm. And we need to be afraid of that. Yeah. Because the world doesn't know the Savior who bled for them. We do. Yeah. You know? Well, one of the most important things to remember, and, and I, I experience this all the time, like when, when I go to Uganda. And, I, and I'm teaching uh, these pastors uh, from Uganda. I love those men as brothers in the Lord. We are in this kingdom work together. And I rub, I, I just love the interaction that we have. I, I don't feel any different. Mm-hmm. Now, I am in, in many ways mm-hmm. from that. But when we're together and we're around Christ and we're working in kingdom work, we're one. We're in step. Right. It's there. Um, that is a very different world than they go back to, and then I go back to. Right. So the 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 front line is going to feel different mm-hmm. than the Sunday morning gathering. Mm-hmm. And where the rubber meets the road for believers is Monday morning. It's the front line. It's when right. you're on Facebook and somebody says, you know, something. And you're immediately forced with, well, how do I respond? Right. Uh, so I'm thinking Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O man, what is good? What is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, love kindness. Say those, those go together. Right. And walk humbly with God. Yeah. Imagine if Christians could embrace those things. I have no problem going out to a peaceful protest to to make my voice heard so long as those three things are on display. Mm-hmm. Love, justice, uh, and uh, to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly. Uh, that will not look like a riot. Right. That It just won't. Um, and it won't look like anger. Right. It'll maybe righteous anger in the sense that when you see God's image destroyed in people, but that right. anger is not directed at human beings. It's directed at sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we were talking this morning with my wife and she was like, you know, like we have a hard time just admitting that there are people around us who may be oppressed for other various reasons. If And, and you know, Christians get into this thing. Oh, what are the numbers? What are the statistics? Is it really systemic oppression? Are they really, you know, it's like basically, okay, I'm not, I'm not really super 
I'm not as concerned about listening to um, you know secular non-Christian voices on this topic, but when I'm listening to a number of uh, African American black brothers sisters in Christ reading their books, and I'm hearing the same story. I'm like they're they're saying, hey guys, yeah, it's very mm-hmm. different growing up being black in America. This these are my stories. These are mm-hmm. our experiences. Like. My brothers and sisters in Christ are saying this. I don't need to approach it with a fundamental attitude of suspicion. But mm-hmm. really? But is it just you? But are you just, you know, right. like that's not the way Christians treat each other. Right. If, if we're saying, you know, if you had, my wife brought up this example. She's like, if you had one person in your church who came to the pastor and said, hey, I'm, you know, my family is super poor. And, you know, people are always laughing at us because of our junky car. And, you know, like this is happening in our church. I'm experiencing that, you know, people are laughing at us because we're, we're lower, you know, in our financial status than others. It doesn't matter how, what, what statistics. As a pastor, you're going to say, that's evil. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. I'm going to I'm going to rebuke our people. I'm going to exhort them to walk in righteousness. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how many of God's people are experiencing this kind of injustice. Like when you when you see that it's real, the Christian attitude is to say, let's listen. Let's understand. Let's think about how can we be better? How can we help? How can we support, encourage? You know, like I think it's been so impactful for me looking at the picture of God in the Old Testament. And when God has two problems with Israel, basically, he's condemning them in the prophets. It really boils down to two simple things. You have replaced the worship of God with idols and you have oppressed your fellow mm-hmm. man. You're, you're um, the ones who are vulnerable, the mm-hmm. ones who cannot defend themselves. Mm-hmm. And so he's talking about social justice and he's talking about worship as mm-hmm. two things that are inseparable. Yeah. You know, and... God yeah. hates uh, when human beings are treated lower bec- for any reason, economic, social, racial. Mm-hmm. And Christians should hate that too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, just thinking of the greatest commandments. Right. Love the Lord your God above all else. Right. right? With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And it, we're not talking about self-love right. needing to grow. We're talking about love for neighbor that needs to grow. Um, so when you when you read, for instance, in Romans uh, twelve, uh, rejoice with those who rejoice, and but also weep with those who weep. Um, my heart broke for the family of George Floyd um, as I watched that thing unfold, and especially hearing that they're likely brothers and sisters in the Lord, mm-hmm. right? And so, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes. What if that was my brother? What would I be feeling? Like, that's heavy stuff. And it's almost like this whole snowball occurred and it, it distracted us from the main thing. Right. The main thing is there's a family that's been devastated, needlessly so. And justice needs to be found. But then the call for us is put on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So I don't like the word outrage. I was telling you this yesterday. Mm. To be outraged is a feeling that you can have, but not an expression that you can really release because rage is not a godly response. That's the opposite of self-control, which is the fruit of the Spirit. So finding a way to express our frustration and our disapproval of these things uh, that is consistent with um, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, Galatians 5, right? The fruits of the Spirit. Even this, 
Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably, peaceably with all. And then here's the call. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. By doing so, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I'm just thinking the church can shine. Mm-hmm. So the world has, as you're saying, no equipment for how to fix this problem. Um, the reality is that we could talk about this till we're blue in the face. Yeah, That has a, a small amount of hope to, to, to truly change hearts right. of haters. What can change is the, 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 the light of believers showing a kind of unity that is so incredibly woven in, in oneness and love that the world marvels and says, uh-huh. what do you have? What do you have? And I, I'd like to say, you know, optimistically that the church is there showing those things, bright, it's, it's shining, but I know there's more, right? right? I, I know there's more that, that we could do um, to testify to the power of the gospel. Yeah, and I think your, the passage you just read, it just, it should fill us with hope, so much hope, because... If I didn't have Jesus, I would look at this world and be like, man, it's just broken beyond repair. Like, what is the hope? But in Christ, you know the world is spiraling. And yet you know there's a king orchestrating all of history to a final point of victory. And we are his children. We are his saints commissioned into the world for action. Not for hiding away uh, behind our screens, but to live lives of love, sacrifice, compassion, to mm. not be afraid to ask hard questions, read, think, be aware of the brokenness. Don't be afraid to look at the brokenness of our world because you know it's all going to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And everything we do, even as, as little as it may seem, every conversation or relationship or you know any, any way that we minister to people around us, is eternally significant in the kingdom of Christ. Like all of our little actions, they are not meaningless. Christ sees everything and he is working through that, not our power, his power of redemptive change in the world. To me, that's like, that's a hopeful call. That's like, you know what? I don't need to see this world fixed. Mm -hmm. I know it's gonna be. Uh, I'm excited to be part of the fixing, even if I don't see it happening before my eyes at this moment. Like I know Christ lives in me. And I know that I want to live it out in the world, so I'm going to follow him every day. I'm going to yeah. you know, read books by good, solid Christians who are black. Let them influence me in this story. Let, let, me, uh, you know, let me listen to their voices and be shaped. Let me be a good neighbor to whoever mm-hmm. my neighbors are. You know, a good citizen at the grocery store, everywhere I go, at work, class. Uh, you know, shine that light everywhere we go and to be that grace and to know Jesus is working through us in the world. Right. Like he is, not not whether, he is yeah. if we're walking in his grace. Yeah. So. Well, and, I think that's huge. The, the one thing that I would say has been tremendously helpful, um, especially for people who are white, who have very little exposure to, or really understanding of 
what folks go through who are black or minorities in this country, um, find someone that you can talk to and ask questions, mm-hmm. right? Sit down, meet him for lunch, um, or find a, a great preacher who is from a different ethnic background. There are so many great podcasts and, and preachers, great solid preachers. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you can do is just search out some content and just listen yeah. and, and learn. Um, we have the responsibility as brothers and sisters in the Lord to really not be ignorant about yeah. these things. There, there, if, if there's any action that we can take, it's that we need to be more diligent in searching right. out and understanding. Um, and that honestly doesn't happen by putting trite little Facebook posts up. Right. Uh, it doesn't happen by changing our, you know, profile picture to black for one day. Um, I, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm against those things. I just, I just want it to go beyond yeah. that in, in, in this whole social pressure thing that happens on social media. I'm not a fan of it. Yeah. I, I just think we should be real in our effort to grow and understand and change right. that way. And dig down into your local church. That's the family of God. That's the people that you got. That's the people that shine the gospel to the world. You know, like yeah. grow in that, enrich your community, make sure that there's nothing in your church that is hindering people around you. This is one of the, you know, our battle in our church is transitioning to English. Yeah. Um, simply on the simp- the fact that, you, look, we live in America. People don't understand the gospel in Russian. Uh, we need to switch our language, as uncomfortable as that may be. Um, so just there's there's ways that we yeah. can adjust our church culture and life to to be welcoming to all kinds of people, not just the ones we're comfortable with. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much for uh, talking uh, today. It was right a on. last minute thing. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. I'm sure that I'm gonna I'm gonna pull you in on more episodes. Glad to help, uh, man. So it's, it's an honor. Yeah, there's so much more we could say, but uh, thank you guys for watching, for listening. If you're watching on YouTube or, or Facebook, uh, check out well-said.org and you'll see that's just kind of the, the, the web home for the podcast and articles that I put out. I actually put out a list of recommended resources a couple weeks ago and H.B. Uh, Charles Jr. Is a, is a preacher on there that I recommend that he's has been, great. you know, he's a great man that you can listen to if you want to diversify the preachers you listen to. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, let us know what you thought. Questions, comments, uh, reach out to us. If we didn't get a chance to address your question today, we'll try to do it next time. Uh, and thank you so much for listening and watching. We'll be back again soon. Bye.